ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وسلم يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن الا وانتم مسلمون يا ايها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحده وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والارحام ان الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم اعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما اما بعد فان اصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الامور محدثاتها وكل محدثه بدعه وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار مرحبا بكم جميعا اهلا وسهلا we continue with the Friday night class where we are covering ahadith al-akhlaq the with the narrations or the ahadith regarding or on good character and we left off with the statement of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam as on the authority of abi huraira radiyallahu an innakum lan tas'u an-nasa bi amwalikum walakin yas'uhum minkum basthul wajh wa husnul khuluq the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam mentioned that indeed you will never be able to satisfy the people with your wealth However you can satisfy them or however from amongst you you have those who can satisfy them with having like a smiling face like a, a cheerful face and good character This here barakallahu fikum establishes that good character is more valuable than wealth as it relates to your interaction with the people good character is more valuable than wealth for you will never be able to satisfy and please everyone with your wealth but a matter of good character this holds more weight with the people according to these words of the prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam Sheikh Abdul Razaq says ay la yumkinukum an tas'u an-nas bi amwalikum ita'an wa badlan mahma kathrat amwalukum wa 'adama sakha'ukum This means that you will not have the ability to satisfy the people with your wealth 
from what you give, what you sacrifice and put forward, no matter how much your wealth is, no matter how abundant your wealth is, and no matter how great your generosity is, can't please everybody, can't satisfy everybody with wealth. Imam al-Shafi'i, he mentioned, Pleasing all of the people is a goal that cannot be attained. So therefore, seek to please Allah. Seek to please Allah. And then, the Shaykh, Hafizullah Ta'ala, he goes on to mention, Lianna istiyaba aamatihim bil ihsan bil fi'l ghayr mumkin. Because the capacity to do good to the masses of them by way of your action is not possible. فَسَعُوهُمْ بِأَخْلَاقِكُمَ الْكَرِيمَةِ وَأَدْبِكُمَ الْجَمِيلِ بِبَسْتِ الْوَجْهِ وَحُسْنِ الْخُلُقِ وَهَذَا أَمْرٌ حَيِّنٌ سَهْلٌ مُتَيَسِّرٌ لِمَنْ وَفَّقَهُ اللَّهِ وَوَهَبَهُ الْخُلُقِ الْحَسَنِ However, so therefore, strive to make the people happy with your good character, with your noble character, and with your beautiful mannerisms, and with your smiling face, and your good character. This is a matter that is simple and easy for the one who Allah has given him success and granted him good character. This is what a person has the capacity to do. As far as pleasing everybody with one's wealth, the person doesn't have that capacity. But the person has the capacity to treat people with good manners that he comes into contact with. The Shaykh mentions Ruwiya an Ibn Umar radiallahu anhuma. It was narrated on Ibn Umar that he used to say these lines of poetry. Bunayya inna al birra shayun hayinun wajhun taliqun wa kalamun layinun. My child or my son, indeed, the righteousness is something that is easy, something that is simple to do. A smiling face and easygoing speech when you speak to the people. We have the ability to smile in someone's face and to speak kind to them. We may not have the ability, everybody we meet, to give them money. No matter how much money you have. May not have that ability to give every single person you come into contact with money to make the person happy or satisfied. 
but you do have the ability to treat the person with good manners. And all of this, barakallahu fikum, is the indication and the importance of good manners in Islam and how good manners has more of an impact when dealing with the people than wealth. A lot of times people put a lot of stock, as they say, into money, having money. A lot of times. But there is that which is in the Quran which establishes that the deen and that which is a part of the religion it has more weight in bringing the people together than money. What can you think of, Isa, regarding that? Yeah, what can you think of? There's two items. Well, that's, that's sadaqah with a harm. That's why the, a, a good statement is better than that sadaqah. Because you're harming somebody. You give somebody a sadaqah and then you come back and you remind them in an injurious way. You remind them in a harmful way of what you've done for them. So a good statement is better than that. What else you have? There's an ayah, and it says, I don't remember its wording, but the, the end of it is, is khayru min ma That's about being happy with the, the favors of Allah, and the, and the bounties of Allah upon you. Be happy with that. And that's better for you than what they, the meaning of the kuffar have gathered together. Keep this in mind, Surah Al-Anfal, verse number 63. Allah is speaking to the Prophet He says, وَأَلَّفَ بَيْنَ قُلُوبِهِمْ لَوْ أَنْفَقْتَ مَا فِي الْأَرْضِ جَمِيعًا مَا أَلَّفْتَ بَيْنَ قُلُوبِهِمْ وَلَكِنَّ اللَّهَ أَلَّفَ بَيْنَهُمْ إِنَّهُ عَزِيزٌ حَكِيمٌ Allah brought harmony between their hearts. And if you, and Allah is speaking to Prophet Muhammad and if you were to have spent everything that's in the earth, you would not have been able to bring harmony between their hearts. However, it is Allah who brought harmony between their hearts. Indeed, Allah is almighty, all wise. What did Allah Azawajal use to bring harmony between the hearts? Islam. It wasn't money. Allah brought the fighting tribes together based upon the deen. <laughs> Hold on all together to the rope of Allah and do not be divided. And remember the favor of Allah upon you when you used to be enemies to one another, right? And then Allah brought harmony between your hearts. And by the bounty and favor of Allah, 
you became brothers. Brothers in what? Faith. Brothers in Iman. So it's the deen that brought their hearts together. Is it possible that money can soften hearts? Is that possible? It's possible. One of the categories of zakat is giving zakat to those who are weak in heart to attract them to Islam or to keep them firm in Islam. But this is a matter of deen. It's not the money itself. It's the, it's the act of ibadah, you know, in giving, and Allah made it a means to attract people to Islam or to keep people who are weak in their Islam strong in their Islam. Allah made it a means. But as for this wealth itself, just giving out money, that's not going to unite the people or bring the people together. But the deen, the goodness of Tawheed, the sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the prayer, the fasting that we do together, the, the, the payment of the zakat, the, the hajj, all of these acts of ibadah is what unites, is the worship. Not the wealth in itself. It's the ibadah, the deen of Allah what brought the people together, the belief. In Islam, the creed, the aqidah, this is what brought the people together. The Aus and the Khazraj were two warring tribes. Like a lot of bloodshed was, was, took place between these two tribes. And the Prophet ﷺ came with Islam. And their hearts were united as one. We have in Islam... Rules and regulations that protect and preserve the brotherhood and the sisterhood. Like no backbiting, no slandering. Uh, don't lie on your brother, don't oppress your brother. Like these things are in place for what? To keep the brotherhood intact. If a man proposes to a woman, it's not allowed for you to go and go and propose to that woman and she's accepted the man's proposal. Here you come behind him, you can't do that because what's going to happen it's going to cause hatred and enmity, maybe brothers wind up or end up fighting with one another physically right she was ready to go until here you come <laughs> messed up the whole situation a fight break out behind you know Come down to those women, man. Brothers, ready to throw some blows. Like you know, Allah prohibits that to avoid there being that type of enmity and hatred between Muslims. Or you see your brother in the business transaction. You can't go cut in the middle and tell the person, "I'll give it to you for a cheaper price." It's haram, right? Because it can lead to enmity and hatred. So you find in the deen the text, the ayat of the Quran, the hadith of the Prophet wasallam, that mention rules and regulations to preserve the harmony and the brotherhood and the love between the believers. And from those, 
things, good character, smiling in the face of your brother, being kind to him when you meet him, smiling in the face of your sister. Some individuals, and this is from their ignorance, they think that the dean is putting on this persona of being tough. And you know, I'm, I'm strong on the sunnah. Nobody's stronger than the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi mean, He smiled. After him, there's nobody stronger than Abu Bakr and Umar and Uthman. And these were individuals who were kind towards the believers. But you have these ignorant individuals, they think that they're representing the sunnah, taking on these tough personas. And these individuals, in reality, that's not even... It's not even their lifestyle. They don't even come from that. Like, stop playing tough and being tough with your Muslim brothers. There's no, there's no need for that. If someone is upon deviance and innovation and it calls for us to be stern with that person, to bring the person back to the truth, okay, this is a different matter. But everybody is like, you deal with like that? Unless you know them personally, everybody is off of it except for who you know personally. Like you find individuals having this type of mentality and this is not the way. This is not the way. The Shaykh he says, وَهَادِهِ الْأَخْلَاقِ هِبَاتٌ مِنَ اللَّهِ وَتَفَضُّنٌ مِنْهُ يَهْدِي لِأَحْسَنِهَا مَنْ شَاءَ مِنْ عِبَادِهِ that these matters of good character, these things are gifts from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and virtues from Allah that He that they are from Him, that He guides whomsoever He wills from His servants to the best of them, meaning the best of these affairs. Allah is the one who favors the individual by giving him the success to be one who practices the sunnah and follows the Prophet That That comes from Allah. That's a gift from Allah for, for the individual. And following the Prophet is striving to follow him in all affairs. Prophet ﷺ, his character with the people was a certain way, we strive to be like that. The Prophet ﷺ was one who was grateful for what Allah gave him and he showed his gratitude, we strive to be like that. The Prophet ﷺ was one who stood firm and did not play when it comes to the matters of the deen and he did not tolerate anyone joking around with the deen. Okay, we take this, we do the same as the Prophet ﷺ. This is praiseworthy. Following the Prophet وسلم, the way he was in the different circumstances when we are faced with those same circumstances. This is the following of the Sunnah. Not just one aspect of the Sunnah, but we strive to follow all aspects of the Sunnah. Because the Prophet وسلم, is a perfect example for us. And he went through different things in life so that when we go through those things, we have the example to follow. 
The Shaykh he brings the narration and Jabir ibn Abdullah radiallahu an qala kan an-nabiy sallallahu alayhi wa sallam idha staftaha as-salah kabbara thumma qala inna as-salati wa nusuki wa mahyaya wa mamati lillahi rabbil alamin la sharika la wa bidhalika umirtu wa ana min al-muslimin اللهم اهدني لأحسن الأعمال وأحسن الأخلاق لا يهدي لأحسنها إلا أنت وقني سيئ الأعمال وسيئ الأخلاق لا يقي سيئها إلا أنت Beautiful narration Definitely one that we should learn Jabir ibn Abdullah radiallahu anhu stated that when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would begin his prayer, he would say Allahu Akbar and he would open up with this opening dua. He would say, Inna salati wa nusuki wa mahyaya wa mamati lillahi rabbil alameen. Indeed, my prayer, my sacrifice, my life and my death are all for Allah the Lord of the creation. La sharika lahu. There is no partners for him. Meaning there's no partners for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then he goes on to say, وَبِذَلِكَ أُمِرْتُ وَأَنَا مِنَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ That's what I have been commanded with. And I am from amongst the Muslims. Then he goes on to say, "Allahumma hdini li ahsan al a'mal." Oh Allah, guide me to the best of actions. This is the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam's du'a. The beginning, like like normally. Allah Akbar. Subhanahu wa bihamdulillah. We say that. This is another one to say and to learn. This is what he will open up his prayer with, meaning the, the beginning, the opening dua. There are many different uh, duas the Prophet used to make. And it's important that we, we make them. We don't just do one, but we try to learn the other ones. Number one, learning different aspects of the sunnah. That's a, a benefit from that. Number two, Getting the reward for reviving the sunnah Because probably most people don't say this Number three This will help us to Be focused in our salat This will help us to be focused in our salat How? Because when you just do what you normally do It becomes like second nature, automatic a person can enter into salat, Allahu Akbar, say, say the beginning, opening dua, A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitan, recite Fatiha, Kuhu Allahu and go into, and his mind and heart is somewhere else. But his mouth is saying all of the proper things because he's so accustomed to saying it. Who here, you don't have to answer, I'm not looking for an answer, but you know within yourself, 
that there's ever been a time that you've been in salat and your mind drifted somewhere out of the salat, but your mouth is still reciting. Still reciting. Because it's automatic, because you do it so much every day, five times a day, the same prayer. So the scholars, they say, when you learn like new afkar, to say, now it takes concentration. <laughs> now you gotta focus, because this is not a dua that you normally say. So now you have to. Inna salati wa nusuki wa mahiyaya wa mamati lillahi rabbil alameen la shirik. You gotta focus now. So this is the benefit from learning different afkar uh, in the prayer that it helps us to keep focus. Uh, in the prayer and not just going through the movements because it's, it's something that we normally do. So switch it up. Switch up the athkar in your prayer as a means of keeping the focus in the prayer. This is one of the things uh, Shaykh Wathaymeen, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, he had advised with. So the Prophet, he says, Allahumma hdini li ahsan al-a'mal. O oh Allah, guide me to the best of actions. الأخلاق, and guide me to the best of character. No one guides to the best of them except for you. The guidance here that the Prophet ﷺ is speaking about is Hidayat al Tawfiq. The guidance of success, because there are different categories of guidance. Shaykh al Islam ibn Taymiyyah, rahimahullah, and Shaykh al Islam ibn Qaydim al Jawziyyah, rahimahullah, they have mentioned that there are four types of guidance, four categories of guidance. Number one, Al Hidayatul Amma, general guidance. And this guidance is shared between animals, mankind, jinn. It's general guidance. The creation shares in that. And general guidance is to be guided to that which benefits you. An animal has guidance. Right or wrong? Huh? Right. You ever watch one of those... National Geographic films with the animals, right? And the guy, he's talking like real low in a low tone and the lion is creeping up, right? The lioness, excuse me, because the lioness do the hunting really. The lion, he hunts, but the lioness more so do, does the hunting than the, than the male lion. And you see her creeping up and creeping and creeping and the animal just sitting there grazing in the field and she pounces out if she doesn't get right on the animal what the animal does stay there and fight huh the gazelle takes off the gazelle takes off why is the gazelle running for huh running away from danger is that not guidance is that not a benefit? Right? They, the, the gazelle runs to eat another day. Right? In the field. 
It's Wallah and Shikha's guidance. Allah put that in the animals. Like, they don't stand there and try to fight with the, with the lion. It's, the, it's, it's guidance. It's guidance. It's there. It's, it's embedded in them. You know, when a forest fire happens, animals run away from the fire. That's guidance from Allah that Allah placed into the nature of the animals. Likewise, we as human beings, we, we have that. Not Muslims and kuffar alike. A right-minded individual is not going to do that which is harmful. Right? Person in a right state of mind. Not under any influence, not dealing with mental depression or somebody in their right state of mind. They're not going to hurt themselves. But then you have people who under the influence of going through mental depression or other mental challenges, they may hurt themselves because they're not in their right state of mind. But a person in the right state of mind, it's not going to do something to harm them, whether it's a Muslim or non-Muslim. That's the general guidance. Non-Muslims, they get hungry, what they do? They go cook and eat. Some general guidance. Right? We Muslims, we do the same. It gets cold outside, we put on coats, lawn johns, and thermos. This is from general guidance. From general guidance. It rains, umbrella. Right? Think about the things we normally do in life as a benefit for us. That's the guidance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala In everyday life But this is something that's shared in creation It's not something that's specifically for us, the Muslims Then you have Hidayatul Irshad Guidance of direction This is the knowledge Allah says about the Prophet sallallahu Or to him sallallahu alayhi wa sallam وَإِنَّكَ لَتَهْدِ إِلَى صِرَاطٍ مُسْتَقِيمٍ And indeed you, meaning you, O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, you guide to a straight path. You guide to a straight path. What is the meaning of this? The meaning is that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam He has knowledge that is a means of guidance for all of mankind The Prophet has the knowledge He's a guide That knowledge that the Prophet has Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is the Quran the Sunnah that which purifies the people, teaches the people, takes them out of darkness into light. What Allah says, Alif Lam Ra, Kitabun Anzal Nahu Ilaik, Li Tukhrijan Nas, Mina Dulumati, Ilan Noor, Bi Idni Rabbihim. Alif Lam Ra, a book that we have revealed to you. In order for you to remove the people from 
the different states of darkness into the light by the permission of their Lord. That's how Allah described the Prophet. Then the knowledge he has is a means that removes the people from darkness into light. But does the Prophet control who's going to accept the guidance and follow the knowledge? No, he doesn't have no control over that. That's the third category of guidance. He died to tawfid, the guidance of success. Only Allah controls that. So when the Allah mentions that the Prophet is a guide, he's talking about the Prophet having knowledge to guide the people. But then in the other verse where Allah says, إِنَّكَ لَا تَهْدِي مَنْ أَحْبَبْتَ وَلَكِنَّ اللَّهَ يَهْدِي مَنْ Indeed, you, O Muhammad, and Allah is speaking to Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. You don't guide who you love, but Allah guides whomever He wills. So, is this a contradiction? No, it's not a contradiction. These are just two types of guidance, two different types of guidance that Allah is speaking about. Where Allah says the Prophet guides, this is the guidance of knowledge. Where Allah says to the Prophet that you don't guide. This is in relation to accepting and following. That's what that came down about. It's the Prophet's uncle because the Prophet, he wanted his uncle to accept Islam. And the Prophet was sad that his uncle didn't accept Islam. Even after everything the uncle did for him and for Islam and for the Muslims, he dies upon shirk. So the Prophet... SubhanAllah, you know, because he had natural love for his uncle. That's his uncle. He raised him. So there was some love there. Not religious love, but natural love. Right? Because there's two types of love. You have religious love. I mean, a love that's based upon the deen. And then you have natural love. Like why you would naturally love a person. A person can be a Muslim. His mother is a non-Muslim, but he loves her. That's natural love. Why he loves her? She took care of him. Right, the pro he, for sure. So the Prophet had natural love for him. It was his uncle, he raised him. After the death of the grandfather, he took over the guardianship of the Prophet ﷺ and raised him. And was there for him. And even after he's calling and the people are opposing him and oppressing the Muslims, Abu Talib was there as an assistant. But he refused to say la ilaha. So the Prophet was sad about his uncle not accepting the guidance. So Allah revealed to him, indeed you don't guide who you love, but Allah guides whomsoever he wills. So guidance is not in the hand of the Prophet. Guidance is with Allah. Meaning who's going to accept the guidance, who's going to follow the guidance, that comes from Allah. Fourth category of guidance mentioned by Sheikh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah and Sheikh al-Islam ibn Qayyim al Jawziyyah Al-Hidayah fil-Akhirah Guidance in the hereafter In the hereafter a person is either guided to Jannah or guided to Jahannam One or the other No third place You're going to be guided to either or, either destination Huh? That's a plane that the believers stand on. 
But the point is that and then you're going to be guided to paradise or you're going to be guided to the hellfire. That, that's good. You're going to one, one, one place or another. You're going to be guided to that place. You're going to be guided to the hellfire if you're from the people of the hellfire or guided to the paradise if you're from the people of the paradise. These are the four categories of guidance that's mentioned by Ibn Taymiyyah and Ibn Qayyim Jawziyah. The scholars, they say, when we say in Al-Fatiha, إِهْدِنَا الصِّرَاطُ الْمُسْتَقِيمُ Guide us to the straight path. What are we actually asking for? Especially being that we are already Muslims. We are Muslims, we make a salat. Why are we asking Allah to guide us to the straight path when we already are Muslims following the straight path? Uh, that's a good point right there. That's one of the, the reasons. So that we remain upon the path. They say guidance here. You're asking Allah for Hidayatul Irshad, right? Guidance for knowledge. He died to Tawfiq, guidance for success to follow the knowledge. Well, he died to Thabat, and guidance to remain firm upon the knowledge and practicing the knowledge. Those are the three types of guidance when we say, He guide us, we're asking for that. The knowledge, the success to practice the knowledge, and the consistency upon that practice of the knowledge until we die. Yes, that happens without a doubt. Iman increases and Iman decreases. But how does it increase? With good deeds. How does it decrease? With sins. So look what the Prophet says. Guide me to the best of the actions. Meaning the best of the good deeds. Not just the good deeds, but the best of them. This shows that the Muslim should always strive for that which is the best. Make your goals high in life. Like don't just settle. Right? And not to say like just doing good is wrong, we're not saying that, but strive to be better. Not, don't just strive to be good, but strive to be better, strive to be the best. This is what this dua is teaching us. The Prophet is asking Allah to guide him to the best of the actions. Not just the good actions. He could have said, oh Allah, guide me to the good deeds. Alhamdulillah. But he said, Allah, guide me to the best of the actions, the best of the good deeds. Because good deeds are of different levels. There are some deeds that are better than other deeds. So you want to be in the forefront, the foremost. Right? The first and foremost. Those who are in the front ranks. As it relates to doing good. This is not taking anything away from those who do good and don't do like the extra things. But the better of the people is those who do extra. 
So you want to be from the best of the people. This is what the dua is teaching us. And he's asking Allah for the best of character. Not just good character, but the best of the character. And the Prophet Muhammad already is foremost in doing good. And he's already the best in character, but still he's asking for it. Why? One, as a means of completing ubudiyah. A means of completing servitude by making dua to Allah, even though he's already doing it, but him making dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for that which he has asked for here is from the completion of his servitude to Allah. The second matter, barakallahu feekum, is to teach us what we should be asking for. to teach us what we should be asking for. And then he goes on to say, Save me. Protect me from the evil actions. And from evil character. No one protects from the evil of the actions in the character except for you. Allah is the giver of good and Allah is the protector from evil. We want good, ask Allah. We want protection from evil, ask Allah. We return back to Allah in all of our affairs. This is a part of having good character with Allah. That we return back to Allah with all of our affairs. Never look at anything as being too big or too small to return back to Allah. The Prophet used to turn back to Allah in all of his affairs. The Shaykh brings the narration عن زياد بن علاقة عن عمه قال كان النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يقول اللهم إني أعوذ بك من منكرات الأخلاق والأعمال والأهواء On the authority of Ziyad ibn Ilaqa on his paternal uncle he said that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said or he used to say O oh Allah, I seek refuge with you from the evil character, the evil actions, and the evil desires. This narration is serious because here the Prophet ﷺ, he used to say this, meaning consistently like when you see things like kana yaqul kana yaf'al kana rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam kana nabiyyu is an indication of something he used to do continuously not something he just did one time and then that's it so this is from the duas that the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam used to make 
Oh Allah, I seek refuge with you from the evils of the carrot. And then you have individuals, here the Prophet wasallam, who is the best of character, the greatest man to ever live. No one can top the character of the Prophet No one's character is better than his character. وَإِنَّكَ لَعَلَى خُلُقٍ عَظِيمٍ Allah says, and indeed you are upon exalted character. But yet, even with him being the best, he is still seeking refuge to Allah from evil. Right? And here we are, nowhere near his level, and we downplay having good character and overlook the harms of having evil character. We downplay the affair of striving to do the best of deeds, overlooking our own sins. Like what was important to the Prophet وسلم, should be important to us. There's no way possible that these affairs are not important when you have the Prophet وسلم, seeking refuge of Allah from these things. This shows this, this is important. Because everything in Islam is important. Every single thing in the deen is important. There's, there's no such thing as something that's insignificant in the deen. Everything is important in Islam. Yes, there are some things that are more important than others, but everything is important. Everything has merit. Everything has significance. So if you see that the Prophet ﷺ made dua for something, know that it's important. You see that the Prophet ﷺ made dua asking Allah to protect him from something, know that that matter is important and those things are very evil or serious and you need Allah's protection from them. But the way you find some of the Muslims behaving as if the Prophet never sought refuge with Allah from these things. Muslims have an evil character, Muslims have an evil deeds, Muslims following the evil desires. Where are we from this narration? If this is our situation, where we have evil character, evil deeds, and we follow the evil desires, where are we from this narration right here? The Prophet used to seek refuge continuously from these things. Evil desires. They are good desires. Like the desire to meet Allah, see Allah in here, something good. The desire to be with the Prophet these are good desires. The desire to have a good standing with it is a good The desire to benefit Islam and to benefit the Muslim, this is good. The evil desires and that which opposes the legislation. From those things that a person may find delight in. 
or sometimes desires are connected to innovation in the deen. Ahl al-Ahwad, the people of desires, and the people of innovation. Because they follow their desires as it relates to the newly invented matters in the deen over following the sunnah. So from that angle, they are the people of desires. The Prophet sought refuge from that. The Shaykh brings the narration on Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu. أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم كان يقول another one كان يقول he used to say اللهم أحسنت خلقي فأحسن خلقي on the authority of Abdullah bin Mas'ud may Allah be pleased with him that the messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم he used to say oh Allah you have Perfected my physical creation, perfect my character. Allah created us in the best of modes and shapes. So the Prophet acknowledging that Allah is the one who perfected his, his physical appearance. Your beauty that you have, and everyone sees beauty in themselves. Allah gave you that beauty. It's not from yourself. It's not from you. Allah gave you that beauty. Even if you resemble your parents and your parents are beautiful, Allah allows you to resemble them. Because not every time a child comes out of the womb of the mother, the child resembles the parents. In any event, the beauty that you see in yourself, that's from Allah. Don't be proud and arrogant. Don't think that it's you who did this. You had nothing to do with it. You had no hand in this situation. And how you was going to or how you came out of the womb and how you look. You have no hand in that. So this should make the the people be humble. Especially those men and women that Allah has favored them to have more beauty than the average person. Be humble. Allah, I don't know. If you have it, uh, share it with me, inshallah. Yeah, please. That's, that's mashallah. We can't be arrogant. Because what we have of intelligence, what we have of physical beauty, it's from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Say that again, Shay. It's not allowed to The origin is that it's not allowed to change the creation of Allah But if a person has a deficiency It can be fixed There was a man in the time of the Sahaba Portion of his nose was chopped off If I'm not mistaken, it was from battle So he took 
like gold, a piece of like golden nose he had almost, and put it over the deficiency of the nose. It's allowed. Right? Same thing. It can be used to fix your teeth or the likes. Yeah, if, 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 that, if that's what's available, you can use it to fix a deficiency. And it's not considered the wearing of gold in this case. No, 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 no. You can't do that. No, you can't do that. What's wrong with that type of nose? Now, some people, what happens is, you know, they see these celebrities, and the, you know, the society puts in, you know, in the people's face, this is what beauty is, right? So they, and you keep seeing this the picture of the same type of woman or same type of man. This is beauty, right? And then they have the magazines, the the world's most beautiful woman. You, you didn't ask everybody in the world is she the most beautiful woman? But they done made the judgment for the whole dunya that she's the most beautiful woman in the world, right? And she's put on the magazine and this is the standard of beauty. And unfortunately, you have, people, you have some women maybe look better than her or some men look better than that individual who has been chosen but they feel bad because I don't look like her so I want to make myself look like her. And for sure the shaitan is there so then there goes the plastic surgery that's not needed. There's no deficiency there. But in things that there's deficiencies in like the body or something, then it's permissible to fix those things with surgery. But as for you don't have deficiencies in the body, you can't just be changing this because you want your nose to be pointier or putting artificial gaps in your teeth and stuff like that. You don't do that. Tattooing your body, this is not allowed. You know, cutting the eyebrows, trimming the eye, this is not allowed. It's not allowed. For what? Yeah, well, not with black, though. You can use henna, but don't use black dye. We're not concerned about what some brothers do with the prophet sense of the line. That's the most important thing. We can, we can dye our hair, but we don't use the black dye to dye our hairs. Use red, you know, different color, but not brown, but not black. How I many that the deen governs our life? Not our desires. The deen is what tells us how to carry on. And everything has a reason behind it. You know, nothing that Allah has legislated is without reason. And this is why the scholars say the person of sound intellect, he doesn't oppose the religion because he understands that there's a purpose behind this. You know the reason that is worship. That's not enough for you. 
then you if you go research the person will find some people they don't want to find out the, the knowledge is there it's there they have to look they have to look they have to study they have to read some people don't like to read it's when it comes to Islamic books everything else they read all the GQ magazine, the Jet Ebony, this magazine, rap this, music that, Guinness World Record book, read the whole thing. Don't want to read Sahih Bukhari. Don't want to read Sahih Muslim. Don't want to read Al Malakhis Al Fiqhi. No, 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 that's too much. Right? No, no, it's too much. It's just. Yeah, and it's unfortunate. It was unfortunate. They read everything. Every morning they get Times newspaper. Times, not just daily news, the Times. Right? Washington Post. All, they do that all day, every day. Consistently. You mean to tell me you can't read two pages from an Islamic book on fit? Two pages a day from an Islamic book on Aqidah? Two pages a day from an Islamic book on good character? Two pages a day from of a surah you've memorized people don't have time people don't have time we have smartphones now right now check on your phone we're going to put this to the test why Prophet Muhammad forbade black dye see what comes up <laughs> you want to find something something's going to pop up Huh? Why did Prophet Muhammad forbade black dyeing? And don't just go to any website. Try to see if it's a website from the people of the Sunnah. Don't go to a deviant website. But, I'm just, but the point I'm making is that, yeah, the black dye. Black. Like when you dye your hair, you can't dye it black. You'll find it. And this is this is the I mean, the nightmare of technology that like so much knowledge is at our hands. Afwan? Lahda. We have a hadith here. Sahih Muslim. There are people who dye their hair black like the craft of pigeons. They will never smell the fragrance of Change the gray hair, but stay away from the black dye. And then the narration you just mentioned. Because what? 
This is from the actions of the kuffar. You found that? See? Right there. Less than five minutes, he finds it. Sometimes, principle, I kind of keep myself as like, although I may not understand something, there's always a wisdom behind what's up. For sure, and that's why I mentioned the first thing, the matter of worship. A person may not know all of the wisdoms behind something. But one thing he knows for sure is a commandment from Allah, a commandment from the Prophet This is worship. This is a matter of the deen. Sometimes the person may not find out what is the other matter of wisdom behind this prohibition or behind the command. But sufficient is enough for us to know that Allah commanded with this affair and whatever Allah commands with is good or Allah prohibited this matter and whatever Allah prohibits then it's evil or the Prophet commanded with it and it's good the Prophet prohibited it's evil if a person knows that khalas, that suffices him but there's nothing wrong in the person studying the narration and seeing the statements of the scholars of the wisdoms behind it or what's the reason behind it or What's the history behind that? There's no, there's no harm in that. And sometimes you'll find some scholars are able to extract more benefits from a narration than another scholar. People are on different levels of knowledge and understanding. But going back to this issue, we are prohibited from imitating the kuffar. The Prophet mentioned, Whoever imitates the people, then he's from them. So, when it comes to these affairs, we shouldn't just rush to do something without knowing what did the deen say about this? Is there anything in the religion about this? We must learn our we must learn our, our deen. Like just like we learn about how to pray, we learn about how to believe, we should learn about when it comes to the affair of character, how a Muslim should present be presented, how a Muslim should conduct himself, what type of clothing these things we should learn these things. Is there anything in Islam about this? Yes, it is. We learn the rules. Right? Don't just live as if we don't have no rules and regulations or guidance. And these are not unnecessary rules. These are not like uh, burdens upon us. No, these, everything is in place for a reason. And when we strive to learn what Allah legislated, this is us having good character with Allah. Studying the religion for you to practice is having good character with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Always keep that in mind. When you are studying, I'm studying to learn my religion so I can practice. This is me having good character with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So there are numerous things uh, in the books of hadith. Do you have, like in the books of, the book of dress. Read it. Read the expert. The book of the book of the book look at Bukhari, look at Muslim. 
so many narrations in there, things dealing with everyday life that we just overlook. What's going to be our excuse? We can read, right? The books are available. Every time I look, we seem like something is missing from me. I don't know. <laughs> the books are available. Read. Take time. Well, I just think like this. If you was to take, you learn two things every day, three things every day, or just one. At the end of the year, at the least 360 benefits. 360 benefits you learned for the year. Is that not a lot? Every day just try to learn something. Try to learn something. Try to learn a new rule. Try to learn a, a new practice. Try to learn a new du'a. Every day, once, one thing. Read a page from the Quran. A page. Can't do. Read some ayat. Do some. Read a hadith or two. Start off with 40 hadith. Read a hadith or two a day. You finish that, move on to another book. We gotta learn, Ikhwan. We can't just be sitting here and we don't know the deen, we're just ignorant. And well, I'm gonna ask the Imam when I see him. You're not gonna always have access to the Imam or the Sheikh, whoever he is. Yes, Allah says, Fasaru ala dikri in kuntum la Ask the people in Allah if you don't know. But not every time we have the ability to get to someone who knows. So now what are we going to do? We're not going to do anything until we finally get We have to research. We have to learn how to research. We research everything else. Huh? Wallahi, Sheikh Google, right? Allah Akbar. Sheikh Google. Allah Google has listened, man. Listen, the technology today, it's amazing. Like, like everything is right there at your fingertips, you know, to a degree. And this is not to encourage people to leave off the circles or the gatherings of knowledge and not seek to strive to go and sit and learn from them. We're not saying this, but there are some things that we can do on the levels that we are on to learn the basics. You follow? We can look up for tower and stuff like that. And a lot of times the stuff is right there online. Sometimes brothers contact me and you know, oh, what's the, what's the, what's the, uh, brother, you know this answer? Stuff is right there online. Sometimes I tell brother, I can go and look. And I'm, and I'm not trying to be nasty with anyone. If anybody's listening, I've done this to you. I'm not trying to be nasty or, 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 or to ignore you. But it's, 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 I do this so that the, you can get in the habit of doing your own research too. Don't just always depend on asking the imam or asking the student of knowledge or when there's certain things you have the ability to learn, you know, it's not really a complicated issue. You follow? It's a simple issue that, you know, and not simple in the fact that to belittle it, but it's a matter that's, that, you, that's, that you're able to, to, to learn on your own. Go well, look. Don't call the imam for every single thing. Imam, what's the, what's the answer right there online? How many of you have good websites with good information on there? Websites that just have nothing but hadith, you can look up hadith, all of this right there. 
Use it. Use it. Make use of the phone. This is the purpose we got these smartphones. Be smart with them. Make good use of them. This is using the ni'mah of Allah for good. Right? Our phones is not for just looking at videos and laughing and, you know, entertainment and stuff. Use it for your deen. Alaykum salam. So the Prophet sallallahu he made dua to Allah acknowledging that Allah uh, beautified and perfected his physical appearance. So he's asking Allah likewise beautify my character. Allah is in control of those affairs. And this is something that we should make dua for. That Allah beautifies our character, perfects our character, make our character good and wholesome. And again, the importance of dua. And when you make this dua, Barakallah Fikum, for Allah to beautify your character, put some action with it. Don't just dua and no action. Make dua and then embark upon the asbab, the means. So you ask Allah to perfect your character. Now go get a book on good character in Islam. Made the dua. Now get the book and read about good character in Islam. Go to a class about good character in Islam. Now you hear ayat of the Quran, you hear. Now you strive to practice it. Oh Allah, beautify my character. Perfect my character. You strive to... And then that's how that's... Like there's a dua where you ask Allah to make the Qur'an the rabi'ah, the spring of your heart. Hey. I heard Sheikh Abdul Razak, may Allah preserve him, he said, when you make dua, for Allah to make the Quran the spring of your heart. He said, now you gotta go read the Quran now. <laughs> no, no, he's, the Sheikh is saying that how can you ask Allah to make the Quran the spring of your heart and you never read the Quran? You have to do some work too. You have to also put the effort in. You understand? You have to take any asbab. You have to take the means. So the same thing is going to apply for the character. If you ask Allah to make your character good, study about good character along with that. So now you have the knowledge. Allah's giving you the way. He's making the knowledge easy for you to attain, and now practice it. Allah gave you that tawfiq to do that. But just to say, oh Allah, make the Quran the rabi' of my qalb. And you don't never pick up the Quran. How can the Quran ever be the rabir of your qalb and you don't ever read the Quran? You don't never listen to the Quran. So when we make dua for these things of good, we also have to put some actions behind it. That's that's the point that the, uh, the Sheikh was making. Of course, the tawfiq comes from Allah. Allah make a we make dua. Allah make a way for you and open up things for you without a doubt. We don't deny that. Along with that, there is al akhd bil asbab. Right? Like the bird leaves the nest in the morning hungry. Right? Goes search for the food. Allah is the provider. Finds the food and then comes back full. 
But it, it left the nest. We have to leave the nest. Right? We put our trust in Allah, that Allah is going to give us the provisions, the things that we need in life. But we have to also put forth the effort. The Prophet gave that similitude about truly putting your trust in Allah. If you truly had to walk up upon Allah, then Allah will provide for you just as He provides for the bird that leaves the nest hungry. Why He mentioned that similitude? Out of all of the similitudes, why did He mention that one? Because He wanted to bring the point home of putting your trust in Allah is also connected to doing actions. Right? Not just dua and no actions. Dua with actions Not just actions and no dua Or dua no actions No both together Both together We make dua and we also do the actions And we continue to make dua And we continue to do that You never stop making dua Don't ever feel I've been making dua for 20 years now Allah hasn't answered me Keep making dua Allah will answer you But also keep doing Or embarking upon the means Jazakumullah khairan We'll stop at this point Whatever is correct The praise is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Whatever is incorrect Is for myself Subhanakallah Muhammadika Shadu wa la ilaha ilaha Anta staghfirukum wa tuhimu Amen